Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello and welcome to another Minutes with Mute. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, joined by the BC's former QB, and current sideline reporter on the IMG Network, Scott Mutrin, joins us on what was a very exciting past weekend at Boston College. BC, Clemson, Atlantic Division on the line, Saturday night primetime, ABC TV, uh, college game day in the morning. Scott, first of all, just your thoughts on the weekend. What a special weekend for Boston College. The, you know, Martin Jarman did such a great job getting BC ready, selling BC to the rest of the country getting the students involved, getting the alum, alumni involved. It was just, BC did a great job representing themselves all weekend, I thought. And it was just a special experience. I wasn't at game day in 2009, and getting the chance to go and take my three sons to it this time was special. I think all three of them really enjoyed their experience and really got to see a whole different side of BC that they haven't seen. And you get to see it on TV, and there was so much buzz from my family back in Ohio and the other side of my family in New York just talking about it. It was it was just it was nice to see BC back in that spotlight after you know a couple years ago there was just the talk of the town of that why does BC even have a football f- team after that three and nine season uh, three and nine season so it's good to be represented in such a positive light and in such a quick turnaround. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point, Scott. You know, you had to kind of pitch yourself in a lot of ways. Cause it has been a turnaround uh, from just a couple of years ago. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was there, saw you, kind of brought back memories. I was an undergrad with the first one in 05, uh, Florida State, right. BC's first ACC game. So, uh, for me, it's kind of full circle. Yeah, that's a great, great way to bring it back in and to see that. I mean, from your perspective, how different was this, this time than last time was just not just the technology and product placement, but was just the atmosphere. Exact same, actually. Same exact spot. It seemed like a very similar crowd. Um, the weather, it was September, so the weather was a little nicer in 05. Uh, and you, but you had the same hype. ACC, that was the first ever ACC game. Florida State was ranked. BC was ranked. So it was very, very similar. It was the same exact spot. Just uh, Stokes Hall wasn't built. <laughs> um, but, Scott, let's now let's just go right at it, right to the game, if you don't mind. BC came off, you know... It was 3 nothing. They held the ground on defense, uh, and they had that punt return uh, to make it 7-3. But before that, on the drive, Anthony Brown goes hit uh, goes down. Tough hit by Christian Wilkins. First of all, I'd like to get your opinion on the hit. Was it legal? Did he give a little extra effort on Wilkins' part? What is your total take on that play? Well, I mean, it's not the NFL, and by the letter of the law, I don't think Christian Wilkins went in that with, with poor intent. As a defensive lineman, you're taught to finish and run through the quarterback. More than anything, it was just unfortunate that that AB was in a vulnerable position. He's outside the pocket. He's trying to throw the ball away so he doesn't take a sack, which all quarterbacks are taught to do, but he also has to get it to the line of scrimmage. So, unfortunately, he had to get a lot of work onto that and, and put it in an awkward position. And because of that, he didn't really have a chance to brace himself 
And as you, you heard me say before, there's a reason I think quarterbacks are the toughest guys on the field is the majority of the hits that quarterbacks take are hits that they can't brace for the contact or be in there to you know expect the contact. They're mostly defenseless in a lot of the times that they get hit, and they still have to be able to throw the football. And that was one of those instances, and his body just got caught in an awkward spot. And, you know, at first I didn't know if it was a collarbone, and then after I saw the, the TV replay, I, I definitely knew it was something in his ribs. In, in that higher area, which that's where it may be right now. But I, I was good that it wasn't a, a collarbone because that would have been bad. That would have been out for the rest of the year. And I knew he didn't hit his head too bad, so I didn't think he had a concussion. So more more than anything, I think they just needed to figure out what exactly it was and get him properly checked out. So he, as of all we know right now, he's day-to-day. You know, we don't know about Florida State. We don't know about Syracuse. And uh, we might not know really until game day. Uh, with that injury, but let's let's fast forward now. EJ Perry comes in, um, you know, obviously a tough situation. Really, not you're, you're practicing, but you're not really practicing all week as the number one, uh, and you get shoved into national TV. Clemson, number two team in the nation. Just from a QB perspective, what do you think was going through uh, EJ Perry's mind at that point, Scott? <laughs> it was funny they asked me that on the broadcast, and it was like the first thing that comes to mind is you're as you're watching that game and you see AB get hurt is like oh, my God, I'm going in this one. Because, you know, although EJ and Matt uh, McDonald got extensive reps in the spring, this is a totally different beast. You're facing the number two team in the the nation with a top, you know, three defense in the country. You probably didn't get a lot of practice reps based on at least the reps and how they were divided out when I was playing. Your starters probably got close to 75 to 80 percent of the reps and then the backup got the rest, sometimes even more depending on how big the game was. So the tough part for EJ is that you didn't get a lot of quantity, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into the mix into this, in the middle of this game, which is not easy, and then you've got to be ready for Clemson. It's, it's a harrowing experience, and it's not, it's not easy to do. I was you know, thrown into a couple games uh, after you know, not being ready or not being prepared, and it's, it's tough because you're – Although you do prepare mentally and you, you do the mental reps and you're ready for everything, nothing really duplicates the, the physically going out and being able to execute the game plan and then being able to go against, being able to go against a, a solid defense. And when you get out there, the speed is just so much higher than anything you're used to that your, your mind is racing and you're probably rushing through things. You're rushing through calling the play in the huddle because you just want to get in and out and get out there. And it just it takes a little time to get settled and – once the game plan kind of tailored a little more towards what AB's skill set was. So Scott Leffler and Coach Adazio had to, to really make adjustments as to what they were going to do based on, you know, EJ being in the game. What did you take? What, what did you think of his overall performance? EJ, obviously moving the ball, first downs were tough to come by. He had a, showed some good ability scrambling. But overall, what did you think about how he came into that tough situation? Well, I mean, it, it was tough for the offense. I mean, you punted, they punted the ball 12 times. There were four possessions where BC had negative yardage for the drive. There were five three-and-outs. Um, not a lot of fluidity or, or ability to, to move the football. They were three for 16 on third down, which has been a thorn in their side for the last couple years. It was tough because I think Clemson knew and smelled blood in the water, and they were very aggressive with their front seven. Their linebackers did not respect any part of the passing game. They were coming downhill and shooting gaps 
quite quite quickly, causing some disruption in the backfield. And their secondary was playing a lot of the short and underneath stuff and daring BC to throw the ball over the top. I mean, EJ, I believe, was 12 for 21, but for 98 yards. So that just tells you the majority of his passes were underneath or short passes. He had four completions where Clemson knew that they were going to get him to throw the ball to a certain spot, and he threw it right into the flats a couple times versus a baited cover two look and they tackled him right away. Actually, some pretty big hits in the flat that if he actually held on to the ball, I think he could have made a play down the field. But he's never probably seen that before, and that's tough to go, all right, well, you see it in practice versus the scout team, so now you're seeing it versus Clemson, and you got to react to that on national television. It's, it sounds like a great idea, but in theory, it sounds great, but you have to be able to go out there and execute it, and, that, and that's another step and part of the maturation process of playing the position. So we don't really know if E.J. Perry is going to start or Anthony Brown. Probably, uh, you would guess, probably E.J. Perry if you had to take a, you know, a guess. Will a week of practice benefit him, kind of calm the nerves as they head to another big game in Tallahassee? Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. The, the week of practice will just help prepare him and the offense for a game plan that suits his, his skill set. Um, He's not the same quarterback that Anthony is. He's a little, he can run it a little more than Anthony has and does. Uh, so you'll see some sort of more of his mobility, I would say, on display where you would expect some bootlegs, um, some read option, some, you know, sprint outs, some rollouts, get him on the move so he gets to, to see the ball so he's not throwing the ball just from standing in the pocket. That's kind of what suits what he seems to do better. Um, Anthony is actually that guy that will, you know, play the play action, but they're deep throws down the field where he's hitting big shots down the field or big deep comebacks. So I imagine that for EJ, they'll, they'll try to, to tailor the game plan towards that. But you can practice it a lot. And even if you get the majority of the reps, that's great. But you're not, it doesn't help make you less nervous when you get into the game because you're going to get into the game and you're going to be playing Florida State. And although it's not, you know, the typical Florida State team, you're playing down in Tallahassee, which is a defense that's still pretty good. They're, I think they're 17th in the country in stopping the run. But you're going down to play a tough team that's got a pretty good defense, and they're probably going to be gearing up the same way Clemson, you know, did. And that's not going to make you, you know, any less nervous going out there. But once you get in the game and get into the flow of it and running your game plan that the coaches designed for you, that will help. Uh, it will definitely be – better to have more reps in practice so he at least feels more comfortable with the game plan that will that will be in place just to go back to the game now uh against clemson the hype uh national tv you have to give credit scott the defense really played well for uh, 13 to 7 at the half a uh, pick six for clemson in the second half but really overall good performance by bc's defense against uh, the number two team in the nation with a strong uh, offense and also i want to get your take on clemson's offense lawrence what did you think of him as a qb yeah, um, Trevor Lawrence was everything that that I thought he would he was and more. He saw every bit of six six. He was very poised. He didn't have a problem tucking the ball and running. I didn't think he was as big as he was until I saw him in person. I was I was impressed with his physical his his 
size. He's really strong on. They weren't afraid to throw the ball down the field. If you look at a lot of plays by Clemson, they had four pass plays of over 30-plus yards, one rush of 25-plus yards. So they were trying, like that offense is, they'll try to hit you short, short, and then go take those shot plays down the field. They've been doing it for years. That's how they beat BC and hitting those big shot plays. But to BC's credit, they kind of bowed their necks when they get in the red zone. They changed some coverages up. I thought Coach Campanelli and Coach Reed did a great job with the game plan, mixing in coverages, as I kind of mentioned they needed to do, mixing some zone, mixing in some different blitzes, getting some hits on Trevor Lawrence, limiting the running game. They only allowed him, I think, four and a half yards per carry. So they limited the running game well, kind of made Lawrence beat them. He made just a, he made enough plays to do it. When you look at it, you only gave up 20 points to the number two team in the country. That's averaging 40, I believe they're averaging 42 points a game, and and you only give up 20 because the other seven comes on a on a punt return. So that's a, that's kudos to a job well done to those guys. They got beat on some bigger plays down the field, but they held in there when they needed to. They made some big plays, and I, I thought that you. As a BC defense guy, you should really hold your head high because you really gave them everything that they could handle. It's just that there wasn't enough on offense. But, Mike, you actually touched on this earlier, and I wanted to say it was like I've been going to Alumni Stadium since 1994, whether playing or attending games as a fan, and Michael Walker's touchdown was the loudest I think I've ever heard that stadium in my in my entire 20, you know, 24 years, 20, 24 years of watching football games there. It was so electric after that, and it was such a – an amazing, amazing atmosphere at that point in time. It was like, wow, this is nuts. This is what it's about. But it's kind of funny because I, I actually talked to uh, a couple people from the Carolinas and, and, and some TV guys down there, and it's like this is every type, every Saturday for Clemson. So the, they were, I was more worried about the weather for Clemson, but the atmosphere was just like every other game for them, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah. No question about it. I was, I was look, kind of thinking back of my emotions. I think I was happy during that, but Anthony Brown just got hurt, so I kind of knew in the back of my mind um, what was what was going to happen in a lot of ways. You know, you can kind of sense it. Yeah, you, you, we think we needed like two or three more special teams touchdowns from B, yeah, BC's perspective. Yeah, they did. But to BC's credit, they got two turnovers. Yep. You know, the fumble on the on the punt on the punt cover on fourth and forty nine, which is something you don't see every day. And, uh, <laughs> And then the inter- interception late by, by Hamp Cheevers, which was nice to have. But, you know, you get two turnovers for Clemson and don't turn the ball over. Um, that helps. But BC just, you know, as I, as I talked, just offensively there just wasn't enough there. And, or any time they would get some momentum going, there would either be a bad snap or a penalty, um, you know, six penalties again. So it's really tough to win when you're behind the sticks. And it's even tougher to win when Clemson knows that you have to throw it and you're not really willing or able to throw it. When the defense knows they, they, you can only do one thing, it really makes their job easier because then they can just focus all their efforts on stopping that one thing. So after 10 games, BC 7-3, going to Florida State now. Uh, we're just to wrap it up here, Scott, what's the keys, you think, to winning and coming back 8-3 and three, uh, with Syracuse coming up? Well, they got to be able to bring that same type of intensity and energy. Florida State is going through a rough patch. Um, you don't want to give a team like Florida State, I, I mentioned this when we talked about Louisville, you don't want to give Florida State a team that's down and maybe doubting themselves any sort of positive momentum to feel good and to give them a chance to think that they're in the game. Uh, they got to control the line of scrimmage on, on, on the offensive side. It's going to be a good matchup, BC's offensive line versus Florida State's defensive line. They're pretty talented up front. 
And if BC can can run the ball and make some plays in the passing game on, on offense, that, you know they should do well versus Florida State because Florida State's offensive line, on the other hand, is gone through massive turmoil. They've had eight different groups starting out there. They they're the worst in the country, and um, I believe in in sacks allowed. They they allow about three sacks a game. They're 127th out of 129th in the country in uh, running the football. So if they can turn Florida State into a one-dimensional team and allow Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray to rush the passer, that's a matchup as a BC fan you got to really be excited for because not only do you get the pressure, but now you're getting the back end where you, you know, BC's averaging two turnovers, almost two interceptions a game. Florida State turns it over a lot. I believe they have 21 turnovers on the year. So um, if you can get and turn them over on defense, which has been the recipe for winning all year, so the formula to beat them is right there and is what BC has done this year. So if they follow the script, you know, they should go down there and get a W. All right. And now the most important question, what's on dinner? I want to know what's dinner for the minutes with Scott Mutrin on Friday night in Tallahassee. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, although it's, not, it's going to be nice that Florida when it's going to be around, you know, high 50s, 60s, which is going to be pretty cold here on Friday, um, with the hotel we stay at is a little further out of the way, so we're going to actually take a car into Tallahassee and go check out a bunch of places. I tend to do a couple of Yelp reviews. I have not done my, my road work on that, but I did see a nice little barbecue place that, that kind of caught my eye, um, and there's a couple other places I don't know. But all I know is I'm going to be happy not to be eating from a 7-Eleven that's right next to the hotel. So any place is going to be better than that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll get the report next week. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Scott Mutrin, thanks so much for joining us here. A man's review for the 7-3 BC Eagles, still, by the way, ranked top 22 now. Uh, excuse me, now ranked 22 in the nation. So things still, a lot of potential, a lot of things to do, uh, a lot of goals to still hit for the BC Eagles. Yep, absolutely, Mike. They still, uh, they're still on pace to have a great season. And you know what? If BC wins out, you get a 10-win season on the schedule, and that's something to be very proud of especially for the senior class, which has really grown and really had a chance to uh, to show off and leave a legacy at Boston College. Yeah, no question about it. All right, Scott, talk to you next week. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.